Amen. Good morning, everybody. Awesome to see this place filling up every single week, and we're so glad you guys are here. Welcome to everyone who's watching online. Let me just talk to the people at home. If you have a cold, flu, stuffy, achy head, upset tummy, thanks for staying home and not infecting all of us. If you stayed home because it dropped below 60 degrees, shame on you. Shame on you. Uh, We are so glad you guys are here. If you want to get out your notes and follow along, if you missed any of our preceding parts of the Genuine Disciple series, I encourage you to go online and uh, check those out. Somebody asked, where'd all the free CDs go? Uh, We had a flood. We had a leak in our roof. They're redoing the roof and the Anyways, we had a flood back in December, and it toasted our duplicator. So uh, it kind of impacts, you know, the CD maker. And so we'll have those back. But you can always get them on the media page and uh, check out the previous ones. We are striving, pushing to become more like Jesus Christ. And today we're talking about conforming to his image in part five. Um, And it's always interesting when I start a series, people say, how long is it going to go? I tentatively have a plan, and then this is going to be the series that never ends. It's just going to, remember that, this is the song that never, this is the series. Because how can we stop learning and growing how to become a genuine disciple and follower of Jesus Christ? Now, never fear, we will transition to another topic. But genuine means this, actually having the reputed or apparent qualities of character, not counterfeit to be authentic and real, okay? We don't want to be an imitator. We don't want to, we want to be a fake. We want to be descended from original stock, pure in breed. We don't, there are a lot of half-breed Christians. Do you know what a half-breed Christian is? One foot in the world and one foot in Christ. And they, 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 they partially look like the world and, and the, the sinners of this world, and the other part resembles Christ. We want to be a full breed, a pure in breed, representing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then actually produced or proceeding from the alleged source or author. And I'm going to just take a little side note here because I love it that we do this at Rock. Every Sunday morning during our second service, everyone will look to, to my left, your right, we have a deaf interpretation. No pressure to our interpreter this morning. <laughs> but if you know anyone in the deaf community that would love to partake of our service and worship, uh, I encourage you to invite them. And I'm so grateful for our team that does that. All right. Now, I have a question. I just want you to answer in one word. I'm going to put a picture on the screen. I'm going to say, what is this? And you guys answer. All right. Are you ready? Here it goes. One, two, three. That is not a car. It resembles a car, right? But is that a complete car? But when you see it, you think car. Because see, this is the way many Christians look. I'm a Christian. Yep, I am. Well, where's your doors? Well, you know, yeah, yeah, you know. Where's your engine? Well, you know, who needs an engine? Where's your trunk? Where's your windshield? Where's your lights? Where's your electronics? Uh, Where's your transmission? We look at this and we say it's a car, but it is not complete. It hasn't been finished yet. 
And this walk of faith, this journey of faith, is a process. This car, they put it on the assembly line. Thank you to Henry Ford, who developed the assembly line. And each phase, the car goes down. It gets a little bit of this, gets the transmission, gets, gets the interior, gets the seats, gets the doors. And so the, by the time it comes off the end of the production line, it is a completed car. Well, what happens with us as Christians is it is a process. So many people want drive-through Christianity. They just want to drive up, get Jesus, and I'm done, right? Or it's like some of you think that if you drive by a gym that you'll lose 10 pounds, right? <laughs> yeah, I got a membership. Yeah, yeah, I got a membership at, you know, 24-hour. That doesn't get you where you need to be. Being a member of Rock Family Church doesn't get you where you need to be. It's a process, it's a step-by-step process so that we can become complete and we can finish what Jesus is doing on the inside of us. So if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we made this statement, the more accurately our lives resemble Jesus, the more genuine we are. See, if you go back to the car picture now, that car is not a genuine car. It's the beginnings of a car, but it's not a genuine car. So the more we take on the character and attributes of Christ, the more we are changed and transformed. I want to, our foundation for today is, is found in Romans chapter 8. If you want to turn on your electric Bible, if you want to open your paper Bible, I want you to open to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to begin reading in verse 29 and 30. And some power-packed words, here's what it says. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. And some people get all wrapped around the axle. See, God's into predestination. and he No, he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. It's his plan for you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And in that plan, his predestination is that you would be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. That you would be conformed. That that he might be the firstborn, referring to Jesus, among many brothers and sisters. God wants to expand his family. And, he, and those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. That word conformed there is a word that means to be formed, molded, or shaped. I, I'm going to give a stab at the Greek word. It's symorphos. Symorphos is the actual original context, the Greek word. And morph is, the orig- is, is one of the anchor words there. Morph means to be transformed completely in appearance or character. God wants to morph you. That you won't look like years from now what you look like today. Not your physical countenance, but your character, your attitude, your attributes, your, the, the way you talk, the way you think, the way you respond, the, the, your conversation. He wants to transform you. He wants to conform you into his image. The reality is it's, it's like a lump of clay. I rated preschool today, and this is Play-Doh. This isn't potter's clay. But it says in Isaiah chapter 64, it says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father, and we are the clay. You are the potter, and we are all the work of your hand. 
So go back to that image, whatever you have. Maybe it's watching PBS or whatever of the potter. And he drops the, 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 the clump of clay on his potter's wheel. He begins to add some water. And he begins to massage the clay to mold it and to shape it to become what the potter wants it to become. Does the clay say, hey, 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 I really want to be a cup. Hey, would you make me a pot? No, the potter determines what the clay is. And we are the clay. And one of the things that I'm asked on multiple times over the last 12, 13 years of, of, of leading a church is this. Why don't you talk about sin more? Why don't you say, Mike, stop it. And Mike, cut that out. And Mike, change it. And then, Mike, you sinners, and stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Because I'm just a pastor, I'm not the potter. What I have found is if I can get you to the potter, and I can get you to a place of submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, He begins to shape you, He begins to mold you. Now, my wife, any of you, your spouse, ever tried to be the potter of your life? And my wife will try and change me, and she'll, and it just sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. I, she says, did you hear me? Uh-huh, I heard you. And so she tries to change from the outside in, but when the Holy Spirit tells me something and says, don't do that, do this, change this, adjust that, it's just a little bit different when God's talking to me than my wife. And so that's where we have to rest and we have to know, and that's our goal in in becoming a genuine disciple, is to bring you to the potter, and I don't know what you need, and I don't know what you're lacking, and I don't know what God wants to do in you and through you, but I would rather trust him to be the potter than me, just a pastor, to be the potter. Now, this growth process, if you remember two weeks ago, we hit on this, uh, this, uh, that salvation is the starting line, not the finish line. Salvation is the starting line. Too many people are like, I'm running. <sighs> I made Jesus the Lord of my life. Woo! I'm done. I'm going to wait till Jesus comes back. No, 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 no. This process, this growth process, is is moving from one, it's spiritually maturing and spiritually growing up. Now, when you're born again, your spirit man is made alive unto God. And it says that we become a new person. Now, we still look the same, but our heart is changed. God says, I'll take out that old stony heart. And he says, I'll, I'll move in and I'll be your God and you'll be my people and I'll live and I'll abide on the inside of you. And so our spirit man is made clean and pure and holy and justified and cleansed just as if we had never sinned. We were justified. But the reality is we still have this. And we have our mind and our will and our emotions. And so what God wants us to do is to get our life to match up the miracle that if this was my heart, to match up to my, the miracle of my spirit man that has been made alive unto God. That I won't have a spirit man that wants to follow God and then my carnal nature that wants to live for the world and uh, that, that I walk in harmony and unity. That, that my life that you see would match the miracle of the heart on the inside. Now this growth process we talked about 
If you don't know Christ, you're dead to the world, dead to the, dead to the things of God, and you're an unbeliever. But then you get born again, and you become a baby, an infant in Christ. And one of the characteristics there is, is that there's some ignorance about the things of God and the ways of God and, and how one should walk and live. But then you start taking some baby steps, and you begin to grow, and you are a spiritual child. And you're still a little bit selfish. The world still revolves around you, but you keep growing spiritually, developing. You become a young adult, and now you begin to serve, serve the kingdom of God, serving in church, getting involved, being intentional with your faith. And then finally, you grow to be not an adult, a parent. A parent lives intentionally. You see, a parent reproduces. We want to see people born again. So the the ultimate maturity factor is to be a spiritual parent that you know how to lead someone to Christ and lead to grow them through this growth cycle and through this growth wheel. So wherever you are, we want you to continue to grow in advance. Now here's the beautiful thing. I've watched it all the time for the last 35 years. Somebody who has been a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ for 25 years, I say... Someone will get born again and be like an F-16 going vertical, pulls back on the stick, gives it full throttle, and they're going vertical, will bypass in months to maybe a year to that person that's been a Christian for 25 years. There's no limitation to how fast this process goes. When I was five years old and I said, Mommy, I want to be taller, there's nothing she could do or I could do to change my situation. Spiritual growth is based upon my progress and how much I want to pursue and how much I want to grow. Philippians chapter 1.8 tells us this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, when, when Christ returns. So this growing process is going to happen. Paul said it this way in uh, Philippians 2. He said, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. He said, now that I'm away, it's even more important. Look what he said. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. What was the results of your salvation? That you were made clean, holy, and pure in the presence of a clean, holy, pure, and loving God. And what it's saying is, we want your life to match the miracle on the inside. And, the, and by obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And then in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, I mean, chapter 3, it says, For the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. I, didn't, I don't have time to go through the whole chapter. Read it in your devotional time this week. But, but what they're referencing is the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. And if you remember when Moses went up on the mountain and got the Ten Commandments and he came down, the people were like, cover your face, Moses. I don't know what that is. He had been in the presence of God. And the glory of God was upon him that he had to put a veil over his face uh, to, to, so that the people could, he could be around the people. But what it's saying is, now under a new and better covenant... We don't have to veil or hide the glory of God, but we are reflectors of God's glory in His image. And it says, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us, I love this, more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. 
More and more means more than coming to church once a, once a year or Christmas and Easter. More and more means reading the Bible on a regular basis. More and more means having conversations and talking with God and letting Him change us so that we reflect Him, think of the car assembly line, that we keep moving down the assembly line and He keeps putting things in us that make us look more and more like Him. Because the more we are like Jesus, it's on your notes, the more we are like Jesus Christ, the brighter we will shine for Him. The brighter we'll let our light shine. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And the, see, some of us are like refrigerator bulbs for Jesus. Like a whopping 20 watts. God wants us to be 1,000 watt bulbs for him. And the more we look like him and live like him and talk like him, the more we're going to shine bright with his love, his character, and his countenance. All right? So I'm going to give you four simple things to wrap this up today. Four simple things in this growth process that we might be conforming to his image. Number one is this. We esteem the Word of God as the absolute authority for our lives. We esteem the Word as the absolute authority for our lives. This is, if you remember back a couple weeks ago, this is the head change. This is where I have to make a decision. This is where I have to, to make this a part of my belief system. That the living Word of God is the absolute authority for my life. Here's what I hear a lot. I know what the Word of God says, but... I know what the Word of God says, but you know it was written 2,000 years ago. I know what the Word of God says, but we're under grace. I know what the Word of God says, and there's no buts in my relationship. If God's Word says it, I believe it, that settles it, and I will live it. It's not a negotiation. Lord, I'll give you, I'll give you chapter 4, but I'm really not up to doing chapter 5. <laughs> It's not a bartering system. If we're going to be like Christ, we have to live and walk in the authority of God's word. That if God's word says it, then if, if, if his word tells me not to do that, then I'm not going to do that. If his word tells me not to lust after another woman, then I'm not going to lust after another woman. If his word tells me to guard the words of my mouth and only speak words that are good and pleasant and blessing to those that hear it, then I'm not going to cuss you out. You should say Amen. I'm not going to cuss you out. Okay? Here's the reality. The enemy wants to keep you from getting into the Word because he knows if you get in the Word, he's in trouble. He wants to keep you out. He wants to keep you ignorant, dumb, and blind to the Word of God. Because what did Jesus say? If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. If you don't know the truth and you're just like, yeah, yeah, God, God put this sickness on me. Yep. And it wasn't God. God's not a child abuser. So God didn't put the sickness on you. The devil did. But he's told you God did. And so you believe it because you never read his word. And so what you hear, you believe. So as we get in the word, it changes our attitude, our actions, our words, our priorities, and our beliefs. It transforms the way we live. So here's your challenge question. What is God's word telling me about this situation? Whatever your situation is. What is God's word leading, guiding, and directing me? 
Now we go to the heart change. This is where, this is where, this is where we begin to change our lifestyle. Number two, we learn and respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We must know the, the leading and know the voice of the Holy Spirit. We've got, to, we've got to know His wisdom and His direction for our life. We have to know how to trust Him. The spoken word, the leading of the Holy Spirit, will never contradict the written word. The Holy Spirit's never going to tell you something that is in contradiction to the written word of God. But the Spirit of God will lead and guide us and will teach us. Here's what Jesus said in John 16. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he has heard. Heard from who? The Father. He'll tell you about the future. You want to know what the future is? I just don't know in this political world what the future is going to be. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Should I buy? Should I sell? I don't know. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. And he'll bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. You have to learn and know the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's where people get messed up. God, give me a word. Talk to me, God. Show me. Let me know your will. They're looking for clouds in the sky. But... Greg, why'd you come up here? Liar. Did anyone hear me say, Greg, come up on the stage right now? Did you? No. No. Greg. How does he know? Well, see, we're so many times looking for the word. And here's what I would tell you to do. It's not in your notes. You're really going to have to write this one down. Psalms 85.8 is a scripture I live by. It says, I will hear what the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people. How did Greg know to come up here? He had an intuition. He had a knowing that I should go up front. It wasn't in words. It wasn't articulate speech. There was a sensation. And in my life, I've had that that hand in my chest, and I'm like, I need to go. And it's like, no, no. And then I've had that like, Swat on the butt, like you need to get it in gear, Bubba, and, and, and going. So I'll tell one on me. Uh, I was in Bible college, and I'm, I'm looking for a Bible college wife, because where do you find a woman called into ministry? You got to find her at Bible college. And so I was between uh, 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 summer break, and I was going to work as a camp counselor at this camp all summer. And so just like two days in, I meet this woman who this young young girl who is a counselor there and she hasn't started at my bible college but she's going to be there in september i'm thinking it's good she was a pastor's daughter so she's been raised in church and ministry she knows that and she sings i don't sing i make a semi-joyful noise unto the lord but i don't sing and I, and I don't play any instruments. I played the trumpet when I was a little kid, but, you know, that doesn't really work in leading worship, you know. And, and I went, she plays the piano and she sings, this must be God. 
And so I meet her, and my, my friends and my buddies are like, hey, hey I, think, I think she likes you. And like a day or two later of like going, maybe this could be, this could be, this could be. I'm walking back down to the cabin to get something. All the kids are in service, teenagers are in service. And I'm walking down, I'm like, I think she's the one. I'm dreaming. I think she's the one. And on the inside, it's like, uh, 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 uh. I'm like, devil, get behind me. has to be the one. And I push through and I push through. And there's just a knowing this isn't the one. Do I listen? No, because I know more than God. None of you have ever been there or done that, I know. None of you ever said, no, I got this, God. Sit down, take a time out. I can handle this. So I press through. A Bible college student, you don't make much money. I'm spending my money on her. I'm taking her out on dates. I met her dad. Her dad's like, I like this guy. And after like four months, four months, I'm like, this alarm going off on the inside. I just got to shut it off. I don't, you know, it's it's, it's getting louder. Wow, 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 warning, warning. So finally I called her up. I said, I'm coming over. And so I go over, she gets in the car, I don't have the guts to say it, and I'm driving around, and finally we pull back up in her driveway, and I say, I gotta, I'm sweating bullets. I'm like, we need, we need to talk. She said, what's wrong? I said, and so then I just, here's what I did. I went, I don't feel like we're supposed to get married. I don't feel like we're supposed to be together. I've known it since the first day I've met you, but I've denied it, and, and I'm sorry, but I need to break up with you. <laughs> Do you know what she does? She goes, thank God. Now I'm offended. What's wrong? What's wrong with me? Huh? What's wrong? What's wrong? Listen to what she said. I haven't either. What was God doing? He was orchestrating her life and my life. And I ended up with something way better than what I thought. No disrespect to her. But as I listened to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and how did I know? I, I just met Kim within one month of meeting or having me been on a date in a little orange spiral notebook. I was sitting beside her in church, and I went, I think she's the one. I didn't, God said, Kimberly Birdsong will become a hawk. <laughs> I didn't hear that. I just had a drawing and a knowing. So the challenge question, what is my heart leading me to do? You need to follow that. Number three, we surrender with unconditional humility to God's will and plan. It's the clay and it's this. I give up. God, I've tried to live my way, my, 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 my path, but God... It's unconditional humility and surrender to you. I surrender my heart and my life to you. Jesus said in Matthew 23, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, humility is equals submission. Pride equals stubbornness. But we need to come to that place and we need to, we need to be willing to be the clay that doesn't try and tell the potter what we think we should be. Because I love the words of Jeremiah, that God spoke to Jeremiah. And and he said to Jeremiah, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. 
before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. What was he saying? This is your purpose in life. This is your career. This is the plan I have for you. Before your mama knew she was pregnant. You say, well, my mama said I was an accident. My mama said I was an oops. Hear me. The house might have been an oops, but the spirit that moved in the house was never an accident. A builder, we, Kim and I bought a house in, in Plano, Texas. The builder built too many houses in the 80s, and then the market crashed, and he went, uh-oh, uh-oh, what am I going to do? And he made us a screaming deal because he overbuilt the house. The house was an accident, but Kim and I moving in was intentional and on purpose. And when God placed you in your house, your physical body, it was intentional and it was on purpose. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak to you speak for you. I'm too young. God says, you're going to be a prophet. He says, I'm too young. And then the reality is the Lord replied, don't say I'm too young for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people for I will be with you and protect you. And I am the Lord have spoken. When we submit and we live God's purpose in this life, we are going to be the most fulfilled and satisfied. But the reality is that you've got to be willing to submit and to yield to understand and to follow that leading that God is calling and putting upon you. We have to live Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people, and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, I am, I, I will. I'll go for you. Send me, Lord. Who does God predestine and pick to be on his team? Hey, anybody want to follow me? Anybody want to serve the Most High God? I do, I do, Lord. And God goes, yeah, I want you. I'll take you. You want to be on my team? Yeah, come on, you're on my team. It's our choice and it's our will. The challenge question, am I willing to trust God's plan for my life? Am I willing to rest in his plan and to follow his will? Which leads us to number four. These first three are nothing without doing number four. We respond with complete obedience. What is God teaching, showing you, asking you to do? To be a hearer, the Bible says, to be a hearer of the word only is to like look in a mirror and forget what you look like. But we must be doers of God's word. We've got to fulfill what he has asked us to do. The more we live and the more we fulfill and the more we obey, that process is completed in us. When God says, I want you to forgive that person that has hurt you and offended you. But Lord, I've held it for so long. No, I want you to lay it down. That's God doing his completedness and work on the inside of you. In 2 Samuel chapter 6 and chapter 7, uh, just jot it down, maybe read it later as a devotional time. 2 Samuel chapter 6 and 7, uh, David has become king. He's overtaken the Philistines and who had, who had t- stolen the Ark of the Covenant, which is where God dwelled. It was, it was the dwelling place of God. It was the Holy of Holies, and, and Israel has won it back. And David, this is where David gets so excited and he's rejoicing before the Lord. He starts ripping off his clothes and he's dancing naked in the streets. And his wife is offended. How, how dare you? I can't believe that you would dance naked out there. And, and David's, you know, just rejoicing the Lord. And then here's what happens. 
He goes back to his palace and he sees the Ark of the Covenant dwelling in a tent. He said, This isn't right. This needs to change. I'm going to build a temple unto the Lord. And watch. God says, No. You're not going to build the temple. Your son is. The prophet Nathan comes and and says, It's not for you to do. Because here's the reality not all good things are God things. You have to determine what is God's perfect will for your life. And I'll share this and we'll wrap it up. I started in this ministry gig in 1981. I did student and youth ministry for 25 years. I served at a national ministry in Tulsa. I was known as the youth guru, the youth pastor. If you needed a youth speaker, a a youth communicator, if you wanted to know about how to do student ministry, youth ministry, you called Dean Hawk. You said, Dean, everybody said, youth pastor. But in 2003, God began to to morph that. And and that, that, that little change, that little push. And I said, no, 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 God. I, no, 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 no. The clay started to tell the potter, no, 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 no. I'm a youth pastor. I'm not going over to work with those adults and be a pastor. I said, no, dear God. They're dried concrete. And, and teenagers and kids are fresh cement, and you can mold them and shape them, but adults are like, da 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 You can't change me. But the Lord began to show me that because I had a passion and heart for teenagers, and I would take a teenager on a, on a missions trip or to a summer camp, and they're alive for God, and the devil didn't steal the word that was in their life. Mom or dad did. And God said, if I could change an adult then I could impact teenagers and I could impact kids. And I said, I'm going to let go of what's comfortable for the uncomfortable. See, I knew, I knew the youth pastor job. I knew it inside and out. Lead pastor, senior pastor. No, those people are scary. I don't want to. And watch, I had to let go, hit me. Are you willing to let go of what is known for the unknown? And are you willing to let go of your dream to fulfill his dream? You see, what I didn't know is that God was having me in student ministry for 25 years to prepare me and to warm me up to be here with you. And I actually like you now. I actually enjoy big church. I still say that we have adult and youth services and I'm here to entertain, or we have, we have kids and youth services and I'm here to entertain the adults while the real ministry happens. Because watch this, if we can transform a kid's life, a teenager's life, we can transform the world for a, a generation and a lifetime. Some of us have 20 years, 30 years left. Will you stand to your feet with me? What is our challenge question? What are the immediate steps that I must take, that I must do? What are you going to do? How are you going to allow God to complete that work on the inside of you? What is God asking you to do that you've been hesitant to do? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray 
for my brothers, my sisters in Christ. And Lord, you have a vision for them, a vision for their life, a vision of what you desire them to fully grow and mature and develop to be. Lord, help each one of us to see that and to know that and to capture a glimpse of that. Lord, I pray that those that have been struggling with choices and decisions in their life, Lord, they'd come to a place that they would say, the word of the living God is true. The Bible is truth and life, and I will choose to live my life accordingly to it. And I will heed the leading of the voice of the Holy Spirit on the inside, and I will obey what I hear and I know is right and wrong. And God, I submit in unconditional humility of my life to yours. And I raise the white flag and I say, not my will be done, but yours be done. And God, we choose to be obedient. Take steps of faith, even when it seems scary, to live and to follow and to serve you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Heads up, eyes open.